It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuck. We're here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, we'll preview Falcons and Panthers, who and what I'm watching for, and a question for the audience. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on or enter the promo code locked on for a free water bottle with any purchase. You're not going to want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Hitting hard as part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the Sirius XM app. And give me a follow on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. Well, we get everything cranked up and ready to go on Sunday from Mercedes-Benz Stadium. One o'clock kick as Falcons open up their new season against the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, over the last couple of years, Falcons and Panthers have split their games. Obviously, last year, when you look, it was the overtime thriller um, where... (laughs) It, it felt like neither team wanted to win that game. And then the game in Carolina on that Thursday night was probably the low point of the season for the Atlanta Falcons, given where they were, given their quarterback situation when Marcus Mariota has the grenade heave, um, you know, everything just kind of bottomed out in that game. So again, turning the page and, Look, there's a lot of changes to both of these rosters, right? I mean, the Falcons are sorry, the Falcons, obviously, they've changed up their roster completely on both the offensive and defensive side of the football. The Carolina Panthers have Frank Reich now as their new head coach. And obviously, they had the number one overall pick um, that they selected um, Bryce Young out of uh, Alabama. So, again, a lot of changes. And, you know, when you look at statistically, last year at these two teams there were a lot of similarities between these two teams as far as rush defense passing yards you know the way their offenses you know ran like there were scoring i mean there were a lot of similarities between these two things save between these two teams save for two things okay one is the falcons were drastically better running the football okay they were third in the nfl just about second in the NFL. They were two yards away from being the second-best rushing team in the league. And, again, we've talked about if you take away quarterback rushing yards, the Falcons had more rushing yards than anybody in the league. The other part of it is the Carolina Panthers had a definite advantage when it came to sacking the quarterback. We were 21 sacks. They were 35 sacks. So those are the two things that you look at and say, okay, those are the big differences in this football game from last year. Now. Here's a couple of things that I think are the key. Let's start with the Falcons defense because I think that this is what is going to dictate the outcome of this game. The Falcons have to get pressure on Bryce Young. You've got a rookie quarterback making his first start, and as immensely talented as Bryce Young is, you have got to get consistent pressure on him. You've got to get him off his spot, even if you're not sacking him, which, again, 
I think he's going to run himself into a couple of sacks. So you've got to get pressure consistently on him. You've got to get him out of his rhythm. You've got to get him off his spot. You've got to give him, get him feeling uncomfortable. You can have a Bryce Young who really and truly he does. He's not a running quarterback. Can he make plays with his legs? Yes, but he's a guy that wants to stand in there and throw. His first inclination is to throw the football, not to take off and run with it. So again, you can't let him get comfortable back there. You have to take a rookie quarterback and make him as uncomfortable as possible. You can't let him get into a rhythm where he completes nine or 10 passes in a row. You can't let him get into a rhythm where he keeps extending plays on third down or hits a couple of big plays, you know, on third and long. You can't let him get comfortable. You can't let him get into a rhythm. So I do think that this de- this game is going to be dictated by what our defense can do to upset Bryce Young. I, I, I certainly don't think that the Carolina Panthers, when you look at the level of skill position players that they have, don't out-personnel the Falcons, so you can take some guys away. Now, what's going to be interesting to see is where the Carolina Panthers attack this defense. Do they try to establish the run? Do they allow Bryce Young to get into a rhythm early on in the game? Short passes. You know, they've got Hayden Hurst now. You know, is he a guy that's going to attack the middle of the defense for the Falcons, try to loosen them up there? Are they going to challenge? Because most likely Jeff Okuda is not going to be playing in the game. And we'll see, you know, again, Arthur Smith has talked about, you know, Friday would be the day where they'd make some decisions about whether Cordero Patterson is going to play. But it looks like Jeff Okuda is not going to be able to play in week one. So are they going to attack our second corner? You know, would they attack A.J. Terrell? Uh, that's what's going to be interesting because, again, you think that Frank Reich is going to have some some things that he's going to pull out of his sleeve and and try to, you know, I, I don't know what I want to, you know, um, not necessarily trick, but 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 certainly try to catch the Falcons' defense off guard. So I do think that second corner, middle of the field, could be areas where the Panthers attack. Now, offensively for the Falcons, their identity needs to be to run the football. And I don't think that, and, and we're going to ask you all a question a little bit later on in the podcast about the idea of, I don't think they're going to stand back there and try to huck it around. You know, look, Shaq Thompson, Brian Burns, who, by the way, we're now seeing that Brian Burns is probably most likely going to suit up and play for the Carolina Panthers. Um, Derek Brown, like their defensive front can get after people. Again, they had 35 sacks last year, so they weren't just chump change. They can get after a defense. And I don't think that they're going to allow Desmond Ritter to get too much into harm's way. Save if they, you know, if they get down by 10 points or something like that, they may have to be a little bit more aggressive offensively. But certainly the identity with Algier and Bijan Robinson is going to be to run the football. And I think they're going to use Bijan Robinson mostly at a running back type of a traditional running back type of position. I don't think in week one we're going to overload him with all the spread and sit out here and do this and do that and and be too much in the passing game. I think that they're going to use him early on in the game and early on in the season as a traditional running back. And I know we don't have position football, but I do think that that's where they're going to mix in Robinson and Algier and really establish the run and, and really get the run game cranked up behind the right side of that offensive line. 
That's the best way to attack, you know, defensive guys who come and put pressure on your quarterback, run right at them. So I don't think they're going to put Desmond Ritter in too much harm's way. Now, it's not that he's not going to throw the football. We're not going to be nine passes in the game, but I don't think we're going to be 30 attempts in the game. Save if, again, we get down by 10 or 14 points and we're playing from behind most of the game for whatever reason. But I do think that this game is going to be dictated by what our defensive front can do to make Bryce Young as uncomfortable as possible. You've got to get the pressure on him. You've got to be able to move him off his spot. You've got to put him on the ground. And then if you can get a couple of sacks and force them into some longer down distance, when he goes back to throw, you might make him more apt to create a turnover, right? Just like we saw in the first part of the preseason. Get teams in longer down in distance and have to force them to make a play or make a tight window play or make a throw that they may want to have back, and now you can create some turnovers. And again, you're talking about a rookie quarterback who I think the stat is, and Ed Werder had this on his Twitter page, I think the stat is the last 15 games that the number one overall pick in the draft as a quarterback has played in the NFL. I think he's like, Oh, 13 uh, or no. Oh, and 14 and one or something like that. Like it's a really good number. Like the, the numbers are on our side. Like the uh, uh, first overall drafted quarterback hasn't won an opening game start in the last 15 tries or what have you. You can find Edwarder's Twitter page and, and see what the actual stat is. So that's good news for the Falcons that, History is on our side, but we still have to make plays. And you have to make Bryce Young uncomfortable, establish the run, give what your identity is. I mean, take, you know, do what you do best on offense with your identity. Run to the right-hand side of that offensive line and keep Bryce Young guessing. Keep him off, off guard, keep the pressure on him, put him on the ground, and the Falcons will come away with a victory at the end of the day. All right, this episode is brought to you by our friends over at Bird Dogs. And listen, Bird Dogs is the best pair of shorts that you're ever going to wear. And look, they give you that nice sculpted look. They have the um, anti-sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry. And look, I wear these things on the weekend every weekend. I mean, they're, they're my go-to shorts for my weekend shorts. When I'm running around, doing errands, you know, going places, different things like that, I'm always wearing my bird dogs because they are so comfortable and I feel like I can stay cool and dry in them at any time. Now, here's what we've got going on for you, okay? Head to birddogs.com slash locked on. That's B-I-R-D-D-O-G-S dot com slash locked on. Look around their menu of items, okay? They've got pants, they got shorts, they got everything that you want for cool, relaxing wear. When you get to the checkout, enter the promo code locked on at checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle. That's right. You can get a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order at checkout when you put in the promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N. So head to birddogs.com slash locked on. Birddogs.com slash L O C K E D O N. Put the code locked on at checkout to get your free water bottle. And I'm telling you, you're not going to want to take your bird dogs off, we promise you. So who and what am I looking for in this game coming up on Sunday, okay? The very first thing I'm going to be watching is our defensive line. 
that that is to me that is still the key for this season i know we have offensive personnel i know we can run the football We've got the dynamic rookie we talked about yesterday. He's being picked for rookie of the year and all this kind of stuff. I get all of that. But if we're going to get to where we need to be, it's got to be through our defensive front. And so Onyemata, Taquan Graham, Grady Jarrett, Calais Campbell, Arnold Ebicady, Bud Dupree, that's the group that's going to really dictate where our season ends up going. And I want to see... Because the Carolina Panthers are not a very good offensive line. They're, they're not a great offensive line. They're not one of the more dominant offensive lines. This is certainly another advantage that we have over them. So you have to get pressure on Bryce Young. But I want to see if that group can be a disrupting group. Can that team get after it? You've got personnel. Campbell, Dupree, Onyemata, Grady, Taquan Graham, Arnold Ebicay. You've got personnel on that defensive line. With your defensive tackles and your outside linebackers, you've got plenty of personnel. Now it has to all come together. And I'm going to specifically be watching Arnold Ebicady. You know, again, what does he look like year over year? How good does he look from one season in his rookie year to where, you know, he didn't play maybe as much or he certainly didn't get a chance to start as much. We complain about, you know, Desmond Ritter not starting. Ebicady was a guy who should have started a lot more than what he did. So, again, I want to see that growth in him. And I want to see what the additions to this defensive line, the David Onyemanas and the Clays Campbells what, and the Bud Duprees, what can those guys bring? You know, those, again, were guys that were big free agent signings for us. Can they provide, you know, that boost that this defense front needs to be able to get after the quarterback and be a disrupting force? Again, I'll, I'll, the, the, the key has been – do we have enough players at key positions to influence the game? I need those guys to step up. I'll tell you another guy I'm really watching is Caden Ellis. I want to see him running all over the field. I want to see what he does. I want to see, can he get after the quarterback? Does he look good in coverage? Because again, he's going to be one of those guys that if our defensive front can really get after it, I think Ryan Nielsen knows how to use him and they're going to exploit his strengths to get after the quarterback. He had seven sacks last year. Again, you know, I'm wanting to see if he's that kind of player that we saw last year, or if he's more like what he was in his first three years of, you know, again, uh, the, the, his uh, time with the New Orleans saints. Obviously, Matthew Bergeron, and, and it's not just Matthew Bergeron. I want to see the combination of Matthew Bergeron and Drew Dahlman together. Can those guys work together? Do they look like that they are not lost on the football field or anything like that? This is a good Carolina defensive front. Thompson and Burns and Derek Brown. Like There are some guys. Derek Brown has been a beast against us over the last couple of years. Does he continue his disruptiveness on the defensive line? Can you neutralize him? That's I'm going to be looking at not just Bergeron, not just Dolman, but how those two work in tandem. Because the last time we went through this, where we had a young guy and a rookie, it did not go very well. When it was um, um, Hennessy and Jalen Mayfield, it did not go very well. I'm expecting more out of Bergeron and Dolman. But again, let's see how those two guys work together. Obviously, Bergeron playing 
a new position. So we're, we're going to see how all of that works. And then I definitely want to see Bijan Robinson, the rookie. You know, again, had that big run in the preseason, 12 yards, and it was all exciting and, and all this good kind of stuff. Now it counts. Now it counts. And, and I want to see how they use him throughout the game. You know, if they get him more comfortable running the football, do they start to do some different things with him, splitting him out and all kinds of different things? Because I definitely think that Arthur Smith has some tricks up his sleeve that he's going to pull out when it comes to using Bijan Robinson. You know, I think early on he'll line up as just a traditional running back and run the football just to get his feet wet and get him acclimated and taking hits and all this kind of stuff. But I want to see if the as the game goes on, if they have some things that they do differently with Bijan Robinson. So look, I'm excited about this game. I certainly think, you know, again, we've talked about it and joked about it, you know, lie, cheat, steal, whatever you have to do to find a victory in this game, you've got to figure out a way to get it done. You've got to figure out a way to beat the Carolina Panthers. And if the Panthers win, it's not because they have more personnel than us. Okay. The, the reality is they don't have the same amount of personnel that we do with all the changes we made and the draft picks and all the guys that we have, we have the better personnel. Now you have to find a way to figure out a way to win that game. And again, I don't care if they win by one, win by a hundred, if they look great, if they look disastrous, whatever, just find a way at the end of the day to get a victory, figure out a way to get a victory in this game. You don't want to be staring at week number two at a potential 0-2. It's not how you want to live in the NFL. All right, as you make hitting hard your first listen, be sure to go into whatever podcast platform that you're listening on and let us know that you're an everyday listener to the show. So we do thank you so much for being a part of our community. But let us know that you're an everydayer by going in and leaving a comment on whatever podcast platform that you listen on that you listen in five days a week to the show. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. So here's a question for the audience for y'all. Okay, if I put the number <clears throat> at 24 and a half pass attempts for Desmond Ritter, is he over that number or is he under that number? 24 and a half. Okay, so just for comparison's sake, okay, Desmond Ritter in the four games that he played had 115 pass attempts. That actually comes out to 28.75 pass attempts per game. So just about 29 pass attempts per game as compared to a Marcus Mariota 
who only threw it 23 times a game. Now, again, you say, wow, it's only six pass attempts per game. There's a lot that can happen in six pass attempts, folks. Don't, don't, don't underestimate the idea of having six more pass attempts in a game. That That's six more opportunities for big plays or six more opportunities for disaster. You, you know why Marcus Mariota wasn't averaging 29 pass attempts a game? Because he couldn't throw it 29 times. He was a disaster. If you'd, if you'd allowed him to, to throw the football more, bad things would have happened. We'd have put ourselves in more harm's way for all of it. So I do think that in week one, and, and maybe this builds up over time, but I think Desmond Ritter is somewhere 22 to 24 pass attempts in this game. I don't think they ask him to do too much. I think we have plenty of personnel that we can out-personnel <clears throat> the Carolina Panthers. I don't think they ask him to put the ball in harm's way too often. We're going to lean on Robinson. We're going to lean on Algier. We're going to lean on most likely. I think Cordell Patterson is going to be available. We're going to lean on those guys to run the football and run it on the right-hand side of the, of the offensive line. Now, here's the other thing, too, is to be honest with you, we don't know how good our pass protection is right now. We still don't have an idea of, hey, if we have to drop back and just throw it all around the yard, can we do that? Can, can McGarry, has McGarry grown into a competent and, and really good pass blocker? We know he's a great run blocker, one of the best run blockers in the NFL at right tackle, but is he a competent enough pass blocker? Obviously, Dolman, Bergeron, questions about, not just, you know, can we run the football with those guys? But obviously, if we're asking those guys to pass protect, can they hold up? Dolman's an undersized center. Bergeron's never played left guard. You get some trickery and things like that in there, could make life difficult. So that's why I think that they don't ask too much of both Desmond Ritter and our offensive line to stand back and pass block. Now, again, 22-24 attempts. I hope some of that is in the red zone. You know, we talk about the idea of being a an elite red zone offense. We've got to be 66-67% red zone efficiency at scoring touchdowns. That's going to get us into the elite category. If we're not two out of three touchdowns, we're not going to be elite, and we need to be elite in the red zone. So there are, you know, Arthur Smith talked about this specifically. There are so many guys that can close out plays in the red zone as far as scoring touchdowns. Johnu Smith and Kyle Pitts and Drake London and Patterson and on and on and on and on. We have so many guys that can close things out down there that you don't have to be afraid to throw the football. And I'm not talking about a high volume of attempts, but a combination of pass and run where we keep everything open and on the table and we keep all of our weapons open. So while I think that Desmond Ritter has, you know, a, a modest amount of attempts, I don't think he's going to be in that 29 attempt range that he was starting off, you know, in the four games that he played. I think it'll be somewhere 22, 24 attempts. We run the football efficiently and we lean on our defensive front. Because to me, again, as I said, that's the whole key. So we'll ask you, you know, to leave us a comment about, Desmond Ritter over under 24 and a half pass attempts in the game. And maybe he does. Maybe he does go, you know, 
28, 29, 30 pass attempts. I just don't think that that's what the game plan for week one is going to be. I think every, I mean, again, we're not playing, you know, the, the Eagles or the Chiefs or Buffalo or somebody like that. We're playing a team that we've been better than, and basically we've been able to split over the last couple of years. Like we're not playing the best of the best of the best. We're playing the Carolina Panthers, a team that we know all about. Yeah, I understand Frank Reich's probably going to have some tricks and some different things with his rookie, you know, all-world quarterback and all this, that, and the other. But they don't out-personnel us. Top to bottom, 1 through 53, they don't out-personnel us. Are they better in some areas? Absolutely. Their defensive front are beasts. And especially with Brian Burns playing, you know, again, all indications are is that he is a go. He's not going to sit out or this, that, and the other. All indications are a go that he's going to be starting and playing for the Carolina Panthers. That's huge. That's huge. That's their best pass rusher, right? Anytime we anytime we have to face a team's best pass rusher, there's always some angst and some anxiety that, that goes along with it. But again, I don't think they're going to ask Desmond Ritter to do too much in this game. 22 24 attempts, spread the ball around. I don't think uh, Drake London's going to get 12 or 13 turns. Like, I don't think any of those things are going to happen. Uh, can our pass catchers have an efficient game? Yes. Look, if Drake London is four catches for 28 yards and two touchdowns, that's what matters. Okay? Like, I, I'll live with four catches, 28 yards, and two touchdowns out of Drake London. If you tell me that's what his line is, I'll be comfortable with that. That means he's been huge in the red zone. That means that we're getting to where we need to be in the red zone when all is said and done. So I think the Falcons win. I think this is somewhere about 21-17. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think the game is going to be dictated by both teams' defenses. And hopefully, obviously, the Falcons come away with a victory. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard your first listen. Be sure to go into whatever podcast platform that you're listening on. Let us know that you're an everyday listener to the show. We do thank you so much for being a part of our community. But leave us a comment. Let us know that you're an everydayer, that you're listening in five days a week to the show. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app as well. And give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We'll look at the Falcons game coming up on Monday. We'll also look at the world of local college football coming up on Monday. So all of that will be football heavy on Monday. We do thank you so much. Have a great weekend, everybody. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.